Hello, and welcome to Distant Echoes, Episode 3, New Mexico 3, The Mogollon. Last time we covered the development of the ancestral Puebloans, from the shift to a more plant-heavy diet and early cultigens to small above-ground farming communities. There are two other major groups in the southwest that don't get as much of a spotlight as they deserve, the Mogollon and the Hohokam. The latter are mostly in Arizona and northern Mexico, and outside of the scope of this series. The Mogollon, on the other hand, were located in southern New Mexico and northern Mexico. They didn't build as grand of structures as the ancestral Puebloans, and by, the, by and large their culture disappeared before the arrival of the Spanish. As a result, there has been a lot less academic interest. This lack of interest will also cause this episode to be quite a bit shorter than the others. When I was first conceptualizing how to approach the prehistory of New Mexico, one of my first ideas was to jump back and forth between the ancestral Puebloans and the Mogollon people. But it just proved difficult to find enough information to compare and contrast these cultures that much. There's also a unique difficulty with their archaeological record. For one of the subcultures we'll be talking about the most in this episode, the Mimbres, their bowls are highly sought, off, sought after by art collectors, and many of their sites are not under government protection. This makes it easy for pot hunters to dig up their sites. In some cases, these pot hunters even use bulldozers or other heavy equipment to quickly dig up the sites. Even when it's just digging with hand tools, picking such sites clean makes it extremely difficult for archaeologists to examine the sites and draw insights into these people. I will note from the outset that this will mostly be focused on the Mimbres Valley rather than the entire region, as this as that was the most studied place I found in my research. These works of pottery are really quite interesting. Those found as grave goods will often have a hole punched in the bottom. Some archaeologists think maybe these mean these bulls were ritually killed. The motive, their motives are, are quite unique. I've got a link to some examples of these bulls in the companion post to, for this episode. First, let's talk about the name, Mogollon. It is derived from the name of a colonial governor of New Mexico, Juan Ignacio Flores Mogollon. They gained this name due to a nearby town named Mogollon, where it was first determined they were a distinct group. Around 200 AD, clear signs of this cultural group began to appear. Most early Mogollon sites appear to be defensive, located atop bluffs or ridges where access was particularly difficult, something I'm sure many archaeologists are grateful for when carrying equipment to a site. At this time, they mostly lived in pit houses. Around 680, these round or oval pit houses would be standardized to a more round shape. This is when the Mimbres people abandoned the highlands, never returning to them again. Instead, they chose, the, chose valleys and rivers to settle along. Around 1000 AD, the shift from pit houses to above-ground pueblos began in the Mimbres Valley. During the transition, sometimes archaeologists have found pit houses with masonry walls on top. During the transition, sometimes archaeologists have found pit houses with masonry walls and tops. Most likely, these were used to keep the walls from collapsing. Thus, it was a natural extension to move these houses above the ground. Often these sites would be built upon previous pit houses. This is when the Mimbres Classic period begins. The pottery created by these people during this very short time is truly unique. It is thought that the reason these motifs appear is closer contact with the Hohokam. This period is truly the peak of the Mimbres society with the largest estimated population. Estimating population is extremely difficult. Some groups could have had larger homes than the number of people that lived in it at any one time. There are some traditions where the husband moves in with his wife's family. Thus, a family that had only daughters could be trying to fit nearly three generations into the same size home as a family that, that had only sons, which at some points could only be trying to fit one or two generations. But, on average, the number of living rooms are counted, and this is extrapolated to estimate the population. There's also evidence of the Mimbres being part of an extensive trade network. Macaw skeletons have been found, much like their contemporaries in Chaco Canyon to the north, implying they too were involved in the trade networks that existed at the time. However, that was not to last. Around 1100, Chaco Canyon began to, began to collapse, which we'll get to soon enough, and with that collapse, the Mimbres also began to decline. By 1150, all signs of the culture were gone and the Mimbres Valley was nearly uninhabited. Now, what could cause the Mimbres people to just disappear? One theory is that at this peak of population, they simply were working the land too hard. A simple drought would be all it took to cause a system-wide collapse for such a fragile system. This is one of the theories as to why Chaco Canyon fell after all. Why not the Mimbres too? 
Another theory involves the rise of Casas Grandes. During 1030 to 1060, Casas Grandes in modern Mexico was rising to power, quickly became a major trading hub, and began to spread its influence. It is possible that this new competitor was, that was closer to Mesoamerica was too hard for Chaco Canyon or the Mimbres to compete with, causing their systems to collapse. Shortly after the disappearance of the Mimbres people, the Casas Grandes-aligned Black Mountain people appear in the, so- in the southern reaches of the Mimbres Valley. These could be the remnants of the Mimbres people, having been forced to assimilate into the Casas Grandes system. As for the greater Mogollon world, during the 1200s, the Mogollon would move into cliff dwellings such as at the Gila cliff dwellings, like the ancestral Puebloans to the north. However, by the 1500s, the Mogollon had collapsed, and it is believed they migrated to the Pueblos. They're also quite an advanced society. Much like the ancestral Puebloans, they have found evidence at places like Casas Grandes of calendars. Slots would line up with the sun at specific times of year in the form of a calendar. With that, I'll wrap up this episode on the Mogollon. Next time, we'll talk about the rise and fall of Chaco Canyon. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with your friends. Leave a review on your podcast app of choice if it lets you. Since I'm a Luddite and don't use social media, word of mouth and reviews are the only way the show spreads. We have a website located at engineeringfire.org. That's spelled E-N-G-I-N-E-E-R-I-N-G-F-I-R-E.org, where I have a link in the header for podcast resources, including pictures, companion posts, my bibliography, and the transcripts of each show. We have an email you can submit comments and questions to at michael at engineeringfire.org. The intro music is Desperados by Frank Schroeder and sourced from filmmusic.io. The outro music is Neo Western from Kevin McLeod of Incompetech. Links to all things mentioned are present in the show notes and at the website. Thank you all so much for listening, and I will see you in the next episode. 